This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey, I'm Sam Cunningham. I'm the president of the Texas Bighorn Society, and you're listening to Impact Outdoors Podcast. All right, everybody, we're back here with another episode from uh, Impact Outdoors Podcast that was recorded live at the 2023 hunt fish podcast summit we held up at the warren ranch this year and uh this episode we've got uh, dr sam cunningham who is the president of the texas bighorn society joining us and we had a great discussion about wild sheep in texas believe it or not and um the journey that that they have had to go through to to get reestablished here in the state of texas um down along the, the western and southwestern part of the state and um, all the great work that the Texas Bighorn Society is doing along with Texas Parks and Wildlife and some, some other organizations that's helping along. And uh, they do a lot of great things. They have some great field opportunities to get out and volunteer with if you're a member of uh, Bighorn Society. And, and uh, Sam kind of goes into that and stuff and some other ways that you can help out with uh, with what they're doing so it was great to have sam with us and uh, let's go ahead and jump right in with this episode with sam cunningham this episode was recorded live at the 2023 hunt fish podcast summit podcasters and guests from across the country come together to talk about their passions for hunting fishing and conservation this year's summit is brought to you by Waypoint TV, Ron Hoover Marine of Galveston, Spot Stalker Guide Service, the Wild Sheep Foundation, Galveston Fishing Company, Captain Experiences, and Badger Claw Outfitters. Well, we're uh, back here with another episode from the Hunt Fish Podcast <laughs> Summit this year, and uh, I'm really honored to have uh, our guest for this episode, um, Dr. Sam Cunningham, the president of Texas Bighorn Society, on. And, um, man, it's good to see you again. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been uh, um, a little different weather than the last time we were together. Yeah, yeah. Well, it seemed like it was raining last time part of the day, too. But we were when we first met, um, you got I donated a trip um, 
for for the uh, is it the Roundup? It's for the chapter and affiliates, Wild yeah. Sheep Chapter. Okay, yeah, that's right. And so you bought that trip and come down to Galveston. Yeah. And uh, you and Clay Brewer and the wives come down, and, and we had a good time. So yeah, that was a fun. lot of fun. Yeah. So how you been doing? Good. It's I know uh, y'all just uh, had an eventful weekend last week. We did. Tell us a little bit about that. Last <laughs> weekend was our uh, annual work project. Uh, we were in the Eagle Mountains just outside of Van Horn, Texas, uh, built two water guzzlers or catchment devices up on the tops of the mountains in the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Uh, weather was great. We got everything done, built, everything off the mountain all in one day, which rarely happens. That's that's amazing. And so that is all part of um, kind of y'all's yearly traditional um, field field work project that y'all do within the Texas Bighorn Society? Yes, sir. So... We- we work with the Parks and Wildlife guys on the on the public lands and also with our private landowner partners mm-hmm. on the private lands, wherever there's sheep or sheep migration mm-hmm. and they need water, then we'll go and we'll build those guzzlers up on top of the mountains. That's awesome. So tell us for those for those who don't know that, that live in Texas or even don't live in Texas that we have wild sheep here. We do. Tell us a little bit about um what the Texas Bighorn Society is and, and kind of what spawned the creation of that group and stuff. and, and so, Sort of the uh, the history of the Desert Bighorn Sheep in Texas, they're a native, at one time were a native species. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the late 1800s, the railroads were coming through from El Paso going east, so that had an impact on habitat. They also brought in more settlers so there's domestic sheep and goats so that had some disease impact yeah uh unregulated hunting that had some disease impact or uh, had detrimental impacts on our numbers as well with the domestic sheep they also had wire fences put up so that really cut off a lot of the migration corridors uh and then in nine and so the numbers started going down in 1903 uh sheep hunting in texas was outlawed and then in 1941, there was about 150-ish sheep with the last one uh, being gone, and they were completely extirpated by 1960. Wow. And so a once-thriving population to nothing. Mm-hmm. And then the state uh, got involved they reached out to Dr. Red Duke, who's mm-hmm. a trauma surgeon in Houston. I don't know if you ever saw his show. I, I, know, I know of him, <laughs> yeah. yes. And uh, big outdoorsman, big conservationist, <laughs> and approached him. And he got some like-minded individuals together. He was informed uh, what was called the Society for Desert Sheep in Texas, Texas Bighorn Sheep. And then there was also another group at the time, which was the Texas Chapter of Finaz or the Foundation of North American Wild Sheep, which is now Wild Sheep Foundation. And so those two organizations were working to try to get sheep back into Texas. Uh, and then in, that was in 81. And then in uh, 85, I think it was, is when those two groups joined together and became what is what we are now as the Texas Bighorn Society. Mm-hmm. That's, that's cool. Um, I don't think a lot of people ever realize that these things lived lived here, and and um, 
we both know Chester more. Right. And um, and and one thing I know about Chester is he loves wild sheep, and yeah, so he's, he's he's over the past five six years he's been telling me about all this stuff that um, that's going on in Texas and stuff, and it's been really cool. I know last year we had Gray Thornton here, right. um, president CEO of Wild Sheep Foundation, down from Bozeman, and and I got schooled on wild sheep with Gray here last yeah. year, and it was really really cool to hear the story of just. You know, of so many species in the United States that have went through similar things, and now we're in this recovery right. process and, and trying to get to these sustainable populations and stuff. And, um, you know, what what are some of the things that um, that y'all are able to do through the through the society here um, to help implement these changes? Uh, our goal is to maintain habitat and the sheep. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, we have that yearly work project to put water where where water is needed, but there is none, Yeah, uh, which is most of the country down there yeah. where the sheep yeah. are. Uh, we, we work with our Parks and Wildlife uh, partners closely mm-hmm. for translocations within the state, uh, with our private landowners also putting water on them, helping with whatever they need help with yeah. also. That's, that's really cool. Is there still... Um, we talked a lot last year, you know, and what you mentioned earlier about the introduction of domestic sheep in mm-hmm. and, and and passing on diseases with the right. uh, Amovi virus and stuff. Is that um, is that still going on here in Texas with the population we have now, or have those been kind of isolated? Uh, the disease process is really is not going anywhere. Yeah. It's still going on. In fact, uh, some of the Amovi came that was from texas came from some domestic uh sheep and goats especially mm-hmm. along the border uh mm-hmm. but where most of that disease comes from and and our sheep population now are from the audad really mm-hmm. well that's the this is a topic i knew we were going to get into and, and uh, jump right in there <laughs> yeah i mean um so what's going on with the audad right now in texas because it is a fairly highly sought after game species for a lot of these hunting ranches right. but it, uh, and it's also um an invasive species here right. i mean it's coming in and, and and they reproduce and and so much of the habitat is conducive to that for them now right they're impressive animals i mean you talk about adaptive they go from browsers to grazers to back to browsers i mean they'll eat anything on the landscape they're very hardy uh they have a bunch of advantages besides just that over like bighorn sheep mm-hmm. uh, they have a lot of reproductive advantages they're reproductively active at nine months old the ewes at wow. nine months of age uh, they breed at least once often twice a year and sometimes those are twins mm-hmm. so you can see the it's not a linear growth it's an exponential yeah. growth you kind of like the feral hogs yeah, in texas exactly that's crazy you know my buddy um put some odd ad i think he put like 11 odd ad on his ranch over near junction mm-hmm. a few years ago and now i mean we were there last year not I me mean, i've probably seen 40 yeah you know just in a couple of years yeah it's it's pretty impressive and um, um if they can reproduce so fast like you said like the hogs and and um i don't know i mean what is what's the solution to this well, you know, some people say, oh, we just need to kill them all. Well, that's never going to happen. There's just too many of them. Uh, and 
That wouldn't happen for several reasons. One being what you alluded to with the economic mm-hmm. issue with it. You know, those dad they're non-native, so there's no hunting season. There's no quota or limit. Yeah. You can hunt them year-round. All you have to do is have a Texas hunting license. So the dad that are on private lands, you know, those guys are getting anywhere between five and $10,000 per dad, and they can do that year-round. Yeah. Uh, so they don't want to see them go away. There are some landowners that have odd dad, and they're like, just come kill them all. Mm-hmm. What do one of them? And then kind of the faction in the middle that's sort of growing each direction, uh, they landowners that will have odd dad, and they'll sell those hunts. But when they're not hunting the trophy rams, they're really thinning out the ewes. Mm-hmm. And so they're working that way. Okay. Uh, There's some recent population dynamic studies that were done and uh, one of the things that was really an eye-opener to me was in order to keep the odd population where it is now without increasing it or decreasing it, just keeping it steady state, you have to kill 80-something percent of the ewes every year. You know, that's not going to happen. Yeah, there's no way. <laughs> so, and, and, and you don't want to see this get to, like, the way it is with the pigs right now because that's just, I mean, that's – that's expanded so fast and so rapidly here. I mean, especially in Texas, but all over the country. Yeah. And then um, I heard something the other day about these these pigs up in Canada that are these giant pigs are going to start maybe encroaching down into the United States. Oh, yeah, and I'm like, so oh, similar. my gosh, it's like we're going to get it from both ends now. <laughs> um, we sure don't need that. But, um, you know, I never realized the odd ads were that big of an issue until probably last year. Um, you start seeing a lot more media coverage on on that and stuff, and and um, I don't know if uh, a lot of people that don't hunt or live in Texas and have knowledge of what goes on out here is like just the sheer number of exotics that are out in the yeah. wild, you know, due to escaping over time from private yeah. ranches or whatever. But it's a it's a big issue, and so many of these animals have adapted to the, our environment here that. I mean, they're just thriving. I mean, nobody's going to complain yeah. about Axis for the most part, even though they come in and graze, I mean, all yeah. the time. But, um, you know, people like hunting these things. And, yeah. and that's, that's, I mean, it's kind of like a double-edged sword, yeah. you know. Well, what are you going to do? Um, it's it's a good thing for certain people and a really bad thing for the native species and and for other people that are growing crops and, and grass and stuff like yeah. that. So, I don't know. I there's never a really good answer for any of these no. things, no. so it's so political. Yeah. <laughs> but and the audit got to Texas. Do you know how they got here? Tell me. I, I, not really. No, it was back. I think in the '60s ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Parks and Wildlife brought them in. Mm. They put a handful up in Paladere Canyon, okay, near Amarillo, and a handful down in the Trans Pecos, and it just took, took off. off. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Yep, didn't know that. Yeah, they That's brought crazy. you know they, you know hindsight being what it is. But yeah, they brought them in as another, just like you said, as another game animal, mm-hmm. and to also provide maybe a new protein source for some people at that time too, mm-hmm. and serve that purpose well. Yeah, man, that's. That's crazy, you know. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of things that looking back over the history of of different states and what they've done and introduced and stuff and. And uh, I mean, but the, the I guess the research just wasn't there. Science wasn't right. there to 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 
show that what was going to happen in the future. So, hmm. and they've done better in Texas than they have anywhere. Yeah, yeah. In, the, in their native range in the on the northern coast of Africa, they're threatened. Yeah, I mean, there's hardly any over there, and they're all in Texas. Now. Yeah, well, that's like all these other African plains game animals that are that are over here. I mean, they're doing so much better here than right. than they are at home, and and um, you know, and I think I think I've read some stories where they're actually you know, like sending some of these animals back right. over there, you know, back back to Africa and and, and those countries over there to to reestablish those stocks and stuff. But hmm, yeah, that's that's crazy. So I want to know how, and I think I asked you on the boat when we were fishing uh, last year. But uh, so how did you get involved with? with with the sheep and, and, and end up in the position you're in now. <laughs> Don't ever miss a meeting or you can become president. <laughs> <laughs> I started, I went on a, I think my my first sheep hunt was a doll sheep hunt. And, man, I just got really consumed with it and really liked sheep. And uh, met at work one day as a guy that worked for Parks and Wildlife up in the Amarillo area. And we were always talking about hunting and different things and mm-hmm. told him about this sheep hunt. And he said, man, you need to, there's a group in Texas called Texas Bighorn Society. You probably ought to get involved with them if you like sheep. Yeah. You know, because they do all that stuff and was kind of telling me about it. And so I got on their website and it was awful. The web the website was. <laughs> I tried for literally for two years to join. Oh, wow. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't, you know, pay. It just was completely dysfunctional. So that year I went to the sheep show in Reno. Mm-hmm. and went to the exhibit hall and just went straight to that booth and said, okay, I'm signing up. And so that's how I got, that's how I first started and then got involved and was uh, with all the work projects and the roundups and all those things. And then uh, was an advisory board member and then became a regular board member. And then four years ago, Missed that meeting and became president. <laughs> I missed a few meetings and stuff like this has happened. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. So, but I mean, that's got to be cool um, to being able to help help the program out like in this capacity and and for something that you love to do. Yeah, it's it's some of my best friends, you know, are in the Bighorn Society. Yeah. They're just good people. Yeah, well, it was good. I mean, we had Clay Brewer on the boat with us right. last year. I mean, he's a hoot, man. He's He's a wealth of knowledge and worked yeah. with the department for a long time and and with the Wild Sheep Foundation, I guess, for yeah. for a while and and stuff. And uh, that's really it was a really cool, fun day to be out fishing, hearing some of y'all stories on that end. And um, have you always hunted growing up? I mean, yes, did you, just yeah. just kind of family traditions or? Yeah, I grew up in a small town up near Amarillo and. That was just always a part of it. Yeah. Always outside, always hunting, fit with, with my grandfather fishing some with him. Yeah, whatever there was up there, but mm. quail and dove and you know the usual gate gateway hunts into more yeah. serious hunting later in life. Yeah, how's the um, how's the quail populations up there these days? It's pretty dry. Yeah, this drought, this uh, well, we've had intermittent droughts and major droughts. Seem like the last. 20 years I've lived here in Texas. Um, we got some rain yesterday. Did you? And snow. And snow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it was 80 here yesterday, and, <laughs> and then it was like 36 this morning yeah. or something like that. The so quail are making a little bit of a comeback up there. You'll see yeah. some around, but yeah. it's not like it was, you know, in the past. Yeah. 
You know, quail is such a um, a unique species, man. They can their populations just can turn on a dime. It seems like, and and uh, we had Dale Rollins here last year, and uh, who's like probably the biggest quail expert in the country, and and uh, talking about it's very similar to you know. Um, stories of the wild sheep here in North American stuff, just how different things, parasites and all these things yeah. you wouldn't really think would be a huge um, thing that would cause so many problems for them and, and it can wipe out the population yeah. seemingly overnight, yeah. it seems like, um, which is just hard to fathom. But um, but it goes back to like, well, maybe we should – look at things a little bit further before we <laughs> introduce something or put something here. And, um, and and hopefully we don't have a lot of these issues going forward and we can get these species back on track. And, yeah. and um, I mean, I'd love love to take my kids out there and photograph some of these things. And, and I know yeah. there's opportunities to hunt them now here in Texas through, through through the wildlife department and, and, and other avenues and stuff. And, and, um, I seen all the pictures from the sheep show this year of all the people winning, winning these trips to the less than one club. Oh and, yeah, <laughs> and all these, and it's like, man, you gotta think how cool that is for them to be able to get to go and experience that. I remember when I was a kid, we went to Alaska, like around 1985 or something like this, and I just remember I don't remember where we were, but we were somewhere by a mountain, and I just remember asking my dad or uncle who was living up there, I was like, uh, what are all those? spots up there like those white dots up there on the <laughs> mountains like those are sheep man yeah. <laughs> it's like what's a sheep <laughs> so um it was it was cool I, re- I remember that you know just plain as day um from that trip and that was a long time ago um but uh yeah i'm really hoping to get to go out next year and help you guys out with the work project and see that so I don't, that'd be a lot of fun i know cat hunters here and yes. had her on earlier and she was like this is the first year i've missed and it's it's because i was coming to this this weekend so yeah. i couldn't be gone two weekends in a row but um it was really cool to hear her story and how she got involved with you guys as well yeah she's been a big participant with us yeah that's really awesome so i know you guys do um obviously heavily rely on fundraising capabilities and stuff like that to help implement some of this work what are what are what do y'all do throughout the year to to help raise these funds? Uh, you know we're a one hundred percent volunteer organization, mm-hmm. so we don't really have any overhead at all. Uh, we have our annual roundup, which is our banquet, and we have raffles and auctions and things like that. Yeah, uh, a lot of grant writing, a lot of soliciting outside sources. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing you mentioned, Gray. One thing that he's really championed is different chapters or affiliates of wild sheep foundation working together and so we've partnered with british columbia exchanging some things and with the eastern chapter Mm -hmm. uh doing some grants to them and so that's cool that's pretty neat and and um this year's um event is coming up in june in bernie is that what you told me before in tapatio springs in bernie yeah, man, I'm looking forward to that. I, yeah, I definitely be want to be there. I've got it on the calendar. So We also have, uh, to raise money, we have raffles. This yeah. year we've got four big raffles, uh, one of which, first time we've done this, is a Louis Vuitton purse. I've seen that. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't show my wife, but I've seen, <laughs> seen, yeah. seen the post on that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and then uh, 
a Polaris trailer included. Uh, there's a hunt that's uh, in Mexico. It's a uh, mule deer and an El Carmen whitetail, both combination hmm. hunt. Uh, the winner, they'll pick you up in Del Rio and fly you straight in to the ranch so you don't have to mess with all that other stuff. Nice. Uh, they take care of all the paperwork and border stuff and clearance of trophies. Everything's included, lodging, meals. Hmm. The money for that is raised for uh, a, a new project that we've started partner with the Mexico side. It's called the Texas-Mexico Border Desert Bighorn Sheep Initiative. So mm -hmm. you can do whatever you want to on one side of the border for conservation, but if it's not reciprocated on the other side, you know, it's kind of a moot point. Yeah. And so uh, we've hit, worked with the states of Coahuila and Chihuahua with, a, with uh, their equivalent of Parks and Wildlife and helping with some surveys and some ODAD management. Mm -hmm. uh, they've got some Oedos along the river that have domestic sheep and goats and trying to help them with better or healthier livestock uh, also with all ad control that also provides a, pro, a very vital protein source to those people yeah along there absolutely and that That's keeps them from killing all their bighorn sheep just yeah for protein you, yeah you know is that um i mean that's all all that stuff's awesome and and people i think get frustrated so many people raising you know asking for money for donations and all this right. stuff but man if you're interested in the outdoors and um you've got to get invested in groups like right. yours because um, that's really the only way change is going to happen and it takes money to do anything these days and um you know we do we have to raise all the funds for our coastal brigade program every year and stuff and and um but it's I thought, you know, when we went into this pandemic and stuff, that a lot of this stuff would, like, people would just, because it was kind of difficult. Yeah. But I think somewhat it fell off a little bit, but it seemed like it came back. I haven't seen any any dip in, in our fundraising efforts the last oh, couple of years. I mean, I don't know what it's been like for y'all, but um, it seems like people are more engaged in trying to get involved with these outdoor groups. During, uh, during COVID, when you couldn't have banquets or fundraisers yep. or any of that uh that was the first year we had two raf raffle items one was a custom rifle from horizon firearms and it was a tbs rifle with this mm -hmm. the bolt knob was a desert bighorn sheep oh that's awesome knob uh and the serial number was zero zero one and so we've done that every year with progressive serial numbers mm -hmm. we had that and then <clears throat> There's a, an auction tag in Texas, and we get that every third year. Mm. Uh, and so what I wanted to do is have a tag every year. So we've partnered with some of our landowners and buy a tag from them if they have one, and they give it to us at a discount, yeah. and then we put that in a raffle. So that year of COVID, we had the sheep hunt and the rifle, and at the end of the, at the end of that year, it was just like we had a normal roundup, a normal fundraiser, wow. just with those two things. Yeah. And probably less cost, you know, putting the events on. Yes, that's what's yeah. so expensive, but people like getting together. So um, th that's amazing. So um, I got to see a picture of that rifle. That's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, the, each one is just a little crazier than the last <laughs> one. They're all 
Derek does a good job down there at Horizon. He makes some really nice guns. That's nice. That's nice. So how do people go about getting um, involved with, with the chapter here in Texas? And and can they get involved with it living out of state? I mean, can Absolutely. they still, still be a part of it? Absolutely. People are listening from all over the place. So. Yeah, we've got a lot of out-of-state members. Uh, the best way to do it, the fast way would be go to the website. It is a new website. Mm -hmm. It works. You can join now. <laughs> uh, get on that website and you can join. You can donate. There's uh, all these, all the guzzlers we've built. There's been like 38 or 40 since 2018. Mm -hmm. Each of those guzzlers on top of the mountains have uh, trail cams on them that live stream to that website. Okay. So you can pick a guzzler and click on it and see what's coming into it. And just kind of cool. watch it real time. Yeah. You can get on there and see all of our past issues of our newsletter or our magazine. Uh, and there's places to sign up for the work project, for the roundup. We have a new program that we've uh, sort of kicked off and trying to get going called Adopt-A-Guzzler. Uh, we've got all these guzzlers on the mountaintops. Yeah. And how do you maintain those? Mm -hmm. It's kind of the question. So we have that problem. And the other problem was trying to engage young, very healthy, very active people <laughs> in our organization. <laughs> so what you can do is you can adopt a guzzler. You get a group of friends four or five friends whatever together uh contact us we'll give you the coordinates of a guzzler mm -hmm. and then you arrange it around your schedule you go up there look at it see what's whatever's broken if you can fix it fix it take notes take pictures with your phone then report back and if there's something big that we need to helicopter for next time we're in that area with the helicopter we'll drop off what huh. you need that's a unique idea so that's pretty cool. And typically so. the people that have done it so far have gone to a work project. So they see one put together yeah. and built from the ground up. And so they kind of know how this kind works. Idea. We're also in the process of uh, putting together some little YouTube clips like this is the trough. This is what mm -hmm. this is how it works. This is what you need. This Look at this part of the float valve. Yeah. And so. I bet you I've seen some crazy stuff on the uh, trail cam videos. Yeah. Really yeah. crazy. <laughs> So have you all seen, um, is there a big influx of, of black bears down down the area where these things are living? Or There are black bears there. They're rarely up that high. Every yeah. now and then you'll catch one on yeah. camera. But. Yeah, I didn't know. I know I know um, several people have got land down further east um, towards the south end of the hill country and stuff that are seeing a lot more bears mm -hmm. coming over from Mexico, I guess, and, and – um, getting in into the state we see so. a lot of things coming over from mexico yeah, on our cameras <laughs> i bet you do so yeah we talked about that me and kat were talking about that earlier so that in fact those you know the the immigrants when they're coming across you think they really don't want to be wherever they came from to crawl through that kind of country because it's hot it's dry it's rough it's just nasty and then they'll come up on one of our guzzlers and they'll get the poly line and just drill a hole in it, you know, and drink a gallon of water and fill up a gallon jug. And then yeah. the other 2,400 gallons just runs out on the ground. So what we've started doing when we build our guzzlers now is we put a faucet at the bottom of the tank mm. with some verbiage in Spanish, like, hey, mm -hmm. you can drink here, but please turn it off. Yeah. And yeah. So, yeah. I mean, most they're not going to think about that. So, um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many, uh, so many challenges for for everything these days and 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 we're probably one of the biggest 
yeah. the biggest problems <laughs> is human interaction. So, um, well, it's been cool, man. I really um, appreciate you taking the time to come to the summit. I know we've been talking about this for quite a while, yeah, and uh, glad you were able to make it. I know you got a hectic schedule and stuff, and um, I hope you're ready for some crawfish tonight. So. Absolutely. <laughs> I know we're going to eat good tonight. Good. So. And, no, uh, thanks for having me. This, was, this has been a great experience. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of cool people here. It really and, is. Um, um, it's a good networking opportunity for everybody, and, and uh, looking forward to getting on some roundtables here in a little bit. And um, But uh, I appreciate you being yeah. on, and, and we'll make sure and post um, links to the website okay. and, and everything from y'all's end and stuff. And um, I'm looking forward to coming to the roundup this summer. And um, I tell you before, man, I'm happy to donate another or donate a trip to y'all's deal this summer and, and help raise some money for y'all. Good, yeah, I'll buy it. I'll come fishing there again. You go. That was well, a great that's, time. That's, that's, a, that's a done deal. So. Somebody starts to buy it, I'll be like, yeah, I don't know about that guy. <laughs> Just so I can get it. No, it was a great time down there fishing with you. Well, I appreciate it. So it was a fun day. We caught some nice trout that day. And um, always fun being out on the water. So. Nice. All right, Sam. Well, I appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, Good thanks a lot. To you. you bet. Thank you. All right. All right, well, I want to thank Sam for coming on the show and, and being part of the podcast summit again this year. It was great having him there, and and uh, he uh, was able to jump on some of the roundtables. If you haven't caught those, um, we'll post some links to those in the show notes as well. And uh, just a, a great guy to be around, very knowledgeable about what, what all is going on with the wild sheep here in the state of Texas. And uh, see if, uh, if you can get involved. You know, you don't have to live in Texas to even be a part of this. So um, you can help out from wherever you are or even in your area. I encourage you to, to get involved with a, a local group that is doing great things with conservation in your state. So um, we've got some more great episodes from the summit coming up and a lot of great content after that. We'll be going to, to ICAST here soon and getting some great uh, interviews there and a lot of other good stuff coming up. So... Until then, we'll see you out on the water.